some stuff. So we're starting a new series today called the BVC. Yeah, you know me with the BVC. And the BVC is the Bay Vineyard Culture. So this is the, some of the stuff. Um, so I want to start, though, with um, I was really blown away by some of the stuff that Steve Graham shared on Friday night when we had the combined event with Equippers and Pyramai. Now, if you missed that on our secret Facebook group, I've got a video that's got the... Um, that's got the slides and the audio and all that. So I'd love you to listen to it because it was very profound. And if you don't know what the secret Facebook group is, it's a mouthful, fill in the card, put it in the, um, in the box with your name and details on it, not the blank envelope, please, and we will send you a link to the secret Facebook group. But going back to that, Cass, um, one of the things that Steve Graham shared up front was that a biblical worldview that is, where's that gone? There we go. And this is what we look at in the big picture course on the first session, that the story of the Bible begins with creation, goes through the fall, then God's plan of redemption, both through Israel and ultimately finding its climax in Jesus. And then the end of Revelation has the, uh, the sense of completion where heaven returns to earth and the earth is renewed and heaven and earth are reunited once more the way it was always meant to be. And Steve Graham was pointing out that as evangelicals, we get really focused on the fallen redemption bit. So choose Jesus and he'll save you from your sins so that you'll be redeemed. But we've got to remember that actually the whole story isn't just good, bad, and then new, but he's going to bring things to completion. But also that when he made this world, it was good. It was very good. And Steve Graham went on to say uh, that our job is to call out the goodness that God has put in certain places. Now, when we uh, moved here, it was very interesting. We had a number of people warn us that Napier in the Bay is a tough spiritual climate. Um, And, you know, know, they had good intentions in doing that, and that's fine with me. Um, But I've come here with this dogged determination not to be intimidated by any spiritual stuff that's happened here or any strongholds or anything like that. I've got this absolute belief that our God is bigger than anything the enemy could ever try and do. And that our our job is to partner with God to bring out the good, the kingdom of God in this region. Now, uh, it, there's a bit of both involved, so I, disp- you know, I really want intercessors tearing down strongholds and doing all that stuff, absolutely. But we're not going to focus on the negative stuff here in the bay. We're going to focus on the good that's in the bay, and we're going to see it come to life even more. And so Steve Graham was pointing out in this uh, scripture in Matthew chapter 5, it says, very interesting the way that Eugene Peterson has translated the message version. Cass, if we can bring that up. Oh, by the way, how good's that? This is one of the business logos for the Bay. Great things grow here. I mean, that is, our businesses have a better perspective on the Bay sometimes than Christians do. People weren't coming up to us saying great things grow here. People saying, oh man, tough climb, you know. It's like, whatever, man, great things are going to grow here, including Bay Vineyard Church, right? And so I'm not going to get into any of that stuff. Anyway, and the reason, and so when Steve Graham was talking about this, I'm like, my leg's twitching and I'm having an ecstasy attack because listen to this, Matthew 5, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. He's saying, it was interesting, he said, you know, in Wellington, it's this place of power and there's government, but there's also artistic stuff that goes on in Wellington. Auckland's all, it's all about big and you know, influential stuff. Like every region has like a grace on it for certain things. 
And so he's saying, well, what's the grace? What's the flavor of Napier and of the bay that we're called to bring out? Uh, if you lose its saltiness, how will people taste it? Blah, blah, blah. Here's another way to put it. You're here to bring, to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. I love that. So this is the thing, guys. You don't change your region by saying, don't do that. You change your region by saying, come and experience what God has always wanted for this place. And uh, so when we started moving here, uh, straight away I began to really seek God. And I was asking him, like, what are the distinctives that you want to have for Bay Vineyard Church? What are the distinctives? Like, what, is the, what, what are the, the key values, the core pillars, the defining characteristics you want in this church? What are the flavors that you want to be part of this place? And I have felt uh, that there's three things that are kind of part of our DNA, and that's what I want to speak into over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the first is that we are a place of joy, and I'm going to look at that uh, briefly today. These, go, these slides are up every single Sunday before we start the church, these core values. But we're a place of joy. So we're going to look at that in a little bit today. We don't have heaps of time, but I'm going to look in that in a lot more depth next week. The second thing that I felt God call us to is to be a place of peace. And on multiple levels, that this is a place of peace in our hearts and minds. Like we live in a stressed out, anxious world. And the invitation of God is that we would know His peace. But also the biblical worldview on peace, shalom, is more than just their hearts and minds, even though that's desperately lacking for most people. But it's also the peace of God in the world around us. But even further than that, there's this idea of the peace in terms of the rhythms in which we live our life. Things like Sabbath rest and how we go about our days, that there'll be a peace that rests on our lives. So we're going to uh, lean into that. Now, that's going to be really countercultural. But, this is, but, but I'm like, I don't, I'm not here to build Kiwi culture. I'm here to build kingdom culture. And kingdom culture is richer than anything the world can throw at you. We've, we've believed a lie in terms of how fast we think we have to live our lives. And he wants to free us from that. And the third value is depth. And this is really just our way of expressing the greatest commandments. God said that he wants us, the number one priority is that we would love him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our strength. And, uh, and secondly, that we would love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And so what we want is depth in our relationship with God. So that we, you know, most people struggle with their quiet times and struggle with reading their Bible, but there are tools and practices that have been developed over church history, but also from, from way back in the day uh, in the Bible that help us to commune with God. And so we want to have a deep, we want to we love Him with all of our minds. And so we want to wrestle with the Scriptures and go beyond just surface level, um, you know, little texts and stuff and really go deeper in terms of understanding what the scriptures are all about. We want to love him passionately, but also we want to love others, not with just some token how was your day, mate, sort of stuff that can often go on in a Sunday service, but we want to have things like bay groups and we want to cultivate a place where we have real deep relationships, where we can love other people in the same way that we love ourselves. Now, interestingly, the commandments are there to love God, to love others as you love yourself. And so much of the time, God wants to bring healing to us so that we can like ourselves a little more. And so there's, there's often, there for me, has been a long journey of healing, and God wants to do that in our own lives. But 
today what I want to jump into, so that's going to be the next six, seven, eight weeks, whatever, I'm not too sure. We're going to go until we stop um, on that series there. So that's what we're going to do. Let's look at the topic of joy today. What I want to do as we start this is I want to play this clip uh, of the end of Steve Graham's message from Friday night at Pyramai and Equippers. Um, now, in this, there's two things I want you to do. Firstly, he says Napier a lot, but I want us to ignore Napier because I want us to be the bay. So every time uh, he talks about Napier, I want you to think the Hawke's Bay because that's what he was meaning, even though he didn't say it like that. Because, we're, again, we're not Napier Vineyard, we're Bay Vineyard. We're here to bless the whole region, okay? Uh, but the second thing is I'd love you just to be listening with, with your spiritual ears open, to hear the voice of God. Now, Steve Graham is a friend of ours from a very long time. Now, he's not a prophetic guy as his main gift. Uh, people recognize of Steve Graham that he's primarily a teacher, but with a prophetic edge. So he, nine times out of 10, will just say little things that are absolutely a prophetic word. Um, but it's just very gentle and it's sort, of, it's sort of just thrown in there. So I'm always on the listen to like what is, so can we play that, Cass? And, um, and just be listening to what he said here. Ignore the background keyboard. Here we go. I just love that. I just think it's so powerful. Uh, and it just resonates with me. And like when he was saying that, because we, I hadn't talked to Steve about the joy thing that I felt God was calling us to be a, a place of joy. But when he was saying that, like the penny dropped, I'm like, the only reason you come to the bay if you don't live here is to have a good time. It's the right it's to go to vineyards or go to a mission concert or to enjoy the restaurants or to enjoy the hospitality. Like that's why you come to this place. So people that come here have good memories and have a very good time. And there's something, and like when we came here, it's like I, I don't want to have a, a church that's just dull and boring. I just felt that God was calling us to be a place of joy. Now, uh, let me unpack this a little bit as to why I think it's so important. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus gets up to say, here's why I'm here, here's the mission statement, here's why I've, I've come, he reads from Isaiah 61. He opens the scroll and reads from Isaiah 61. Let me read uh, the text. Jesus returned to Galilee. This is interestingly because he's been in the desert place. 
Some of us have been in desert places. And desert places shape us. And, and the Spirit of God can do things in the desert place that really can only happen in that place. But if we allow God to shape something, uh, if we allow God to do His work in that place, in the same way this happened to Jesus, it happens to us, that we return filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus came out of the desert filled with the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Spirit. News about Him spread, so He goes to the synagogues. Then He goes to His hometown on the Sabbath, opens up this papyrus scroll from Isaiah and reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. It's awkward in the synagogue. Everyone's eyes are on Him. And He says to them, Today the Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Massive moment. Here's why I've come. Now, what he's, now, if you continue to read Isaiah 61, you're going to have an ecstasy attack in terms of what the kingdom of God is all about. But does any of that stuff sound boring to you? Like, think about it. Good news to the poor. That's like, if you're poor and you get some good news, you're going to feel pretty stoked about it, correct? Uh, I had the great privilege of being with one of my friends who had done an eight-year lag in prison. So he'd been really naughty because in New Zealand you get, you know, two months for, you know, whatever, you can do anything you want just about and you get a slap on the wrist. He'd been really naughty, eight months lag, and I was there the day that he walked out of prison. And can you imagine how good he felt? Like he planned out the whole day, Drexel's for breakfast, half a portion, not a whole portion. I had a double portion, he had the half portion. Uh, you know, everything about it was just a delight to him. Oh, you know, every the plunger coffee, whoa, it's amazing. You know, I'm just like, really? Okay, man. You know, we went into Westfield Mall, and as he was walking around, he was just like, the colors, the colors everywhere. It's so beautiful. It's Westfield Mall. I mean, this Jesus said, this is why I've come. I've come to bring freedom to prisoners. That is not some boring moment in the life of, of anyone. And as you follow Jesus, the more you follow him, the more free you get. Listen to this in Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of love, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is what the kingdom of God is all about. Now, I'm already, I just, I knew that when I was going to preach on this stuff, we're going to hit some walls here fairly early on. And we've hit one already. I can feel it in the room. Because part of you, some of you guys are just like, oh no, oh please, not happy, clappy joy talks. I'm not, I am not in the space in my life to hear about joy. Like just, I'm listening to Radiohead pretty much full time and life's just crap and I'm just, you know, I'm, this isn't a good season for me. I don't want to hear about joy. And this is where I want to talk about biblical joy. Because biblical joy isn't dependent on your circumstances. Henry, Henry Nouwen, the famous author, said, Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. Now, I want to, it's very interesting what happens in Hebrews chapter 12 when Jesus talks about the cross. And this is a familiar passage to probably many of you, but have a listen to this. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Listen to this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand, the throne of God. 
There's a couple of things going on there. Firstly, there's a, there's a host of witnesses cheering us on. That in itself is a pretty amazing thought. But what I find really interesting is that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. And I say that because often if you wanted to step into places where there's more joy in your life, you've got to walk through Friday before you get to Sunday. That's just the reality. Um, for the cross before him, so to be a person of joy means making choices that I choose sometimes to walk the way of the cross so that I can step into places of joy. And here's the enemy wants to keep us stuck in places of depression, uh, places where we feel flat, places where we feel disconnected from our emotions. That's where he wants to keep you, places where there is no joy in your life. But if you want to get out of that rut, and the only way that we're going to be a place of joy is if people choose to pursue it, because this isn't just something magical that's going to happen in our church. This whole series is saying, I think God's deposited something in the culture of our church. Now we've got to step into it. And how does that happen? We get a culture of that when enough people for the joy set before them endure some crosses. And you know what that's meant for me in real terms? It's meant ringing up the phone at least once a year in the last 15 years of full-time ministry and saying, I need some help, Mr. Counselor. Like, who likes doing that as a Kiwi guy? No one. Because we're all proud as. We are. We've, we are so proud and it's killing us. So you, if you have to make the choice between your pride and joy, choose joy. Pick up that phone, ring the counselor and endure the cross of feeling a bit embarrassed because you have to start facing your own brokenness for the once, right? Is it easy? No. But listen, does the story end on Friday? It doesn't end on Friday with the counseling. thing. It ends on Sunday when you start feeling more free. That's why he came. You know, the Holy Spirit has been given to us and it's constantly saying, choose life, choose life, choose life. And the enemy's there saying, don't choose it, don't choose it, stay where you are. It's interesting how often the Holy Spirit and my wife seem to work together. <laughs> because, you know, one of the, um, the thing for uh, our family is that we've got depression in our family, family line and we've seen the brutal effects of depression in our family. Literally just literally destroying lives. And so I know that the black dog is there in our family line and I've felt its presence. And so what do I need to do to, to keep the black dog of depression at bay? Well, one of the, you've got to do a bunch of things. You've got to try and sleep well. Staying up late and all that sort of stuff doesn't help. Well, that's not a big issue for me these days because I'm completely hammered because I've got three little boys. <laughs> My head hits the pillow and bang, I'm out. Uh, you've got to eat well. That's a bit more of a wrestle for me uh, because I like Burger King and cream bums and all those things, as you've heard me confess many times. Um, but, you know, the number one thing I've got to keep on doing is I've got to, I've got to exercise, not for... Now, this sounds very practical, but this, the Holy Spirit does this. He wants to lead us into life. So I've got to do some exercise. Now, that's fallen off the wagon a little bit in the last little while. And just yesterday, my wife, through the power of the Spirit, uh, <laughs> gently challenged me and lovingly said, you know, you've got to stay. And, and I've been, uh, every morning I go for a walk and pray for this church and just spend time with the Lord and then I journal. And every, almost every day this week, the Holy Spirit's been like, mate, you've got to get back on the wagon on the exit. Because I'm not doing it to, for, you know, this. I'm doing it for this. I've got to choose 
do I feel like doing it? No. It's, it's really interesting. Listen, I, I could not resonate more with Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, but there's a number of times that God says this to his people. This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses, and God's heart is now choose life so that your children may live. So it's not just so that you would find life, but so that there's a generational impact when you choose to walk the narrow way that leads to life and leads to joy. And so uh, the reality is that we've got to choose this. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. There's an enemy working hard to keep you down. But if we can make these choices empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can start stepping into places of life and of the fullness of joy. And so I'm encouraging you today to do that choice. Listen to this by Randy Alcorn. Anyone who waits for joy will never be joyful. Joy escapes us until we understand why we should be joyful, change our perspective, and listen, develop habits of joy. Develop habits of joy. Where this becomes, um, I just, again, you've heard me say this before, but I'm just um, in awe that the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the spirits, is joy. So listen, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again until the message goes through. The evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life is that you feel more and more joy. Like that's God's, that's what He longs for us. He's come that we would experience joy. You are in charge of how you really react to people and events in your life. And you can give negativity power over your life or you can choose joy instead. You can focus on your problem or you can press into the God who's bigger than your problems. There's this interesting story from uh, an uh, American Indian kind of parable about this boy and a grandfather. And the grandfather explained that there are two, two wolves at battle within us. One that is good and represents hope, peace and joy. The other that is evil and represents anger, sorrow and ego. And so this little boy asks his grandfather, which of the wolves wins in you? And he says, the one you feed. It's very interesting that in the early church, it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like life was really easy and sweet. Uh, the early Christians had some serious problems to face. And the apostles taught them to be joyful in that context. They chose joy. They could have chosen discouragement and sadness, but they chose joy. The apostles instructed them to be joyful. Philippians 4 verse 4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Do you know where that was written? In prison. Get your head around that. Like, I don't know how bad your weeks are, but I know for 100% fact that none of you are in prison. Like, right? I mean, none of you, I mean, unless you, I mean, you may be on parole, whatever, God bless you, fine. But you're still not in prison, right? That's awesome. This guy, and, and this prison's not a Kiwi prison. This is a Roman prison. And it's a, it's a hard place. And he's saying, I can be joyful always. How countercultural, how revolutionary is that? No matter where you stick me, you can't rob the joy in me. Take that, society. That's awesome. Uh, 
in 1 Thessalonians, I'm going to do a whole message on this, this at some point in the future. Be joyful always, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There is no stronger language in the Greek than what Paul is invoking here. It is a command. Rejoice always. Paradox in some ways. Rejoice! Be happy! Come on! You know, Rejoice always. Let me, in all circumstances, even when things were going very wrong, they gave thanks and they focused on what they could be grateful for. I loved this quote by Sarah Bessie. She said this, Joy is an emotional or spiritual or intellectual dishonesty. Christian joy doesn't mean that we are sticking our heads in the sand saying, it's fine, we're fine, everything's fine, while running past the gutter of broken dreams, eyes averted. Joy isn't denial of grief or pretending happiness. I know this, joy is the affirmation of the truest thing in this life. Joy is not born pretending everything is fine, but from holding both hope and truth together. The Christian can stand in that liminal space, the space of grief. Even there, there can be joy. Why? Because joy is the affirmation of the thing that is truer than any trouble, any affliction, any, uh, anything you're going through. The affirmation that love wins that Jesus is as good as we hope and it's all worth it because he will redeem everything. He will bring it to completion. We, because of the cross of Christ, can be filled with joy. Hallelujah. You are loved this morning. Nothing can change that. You can rejoice in the reality that you're loved. You have a hope. You can rejoice in the reality that you have a hope in Jesus. You can rejoice about the reality. Even if the, your world is falling apart, this world one day will be restored to the way it was always meant to be. The glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea, and we will finally be home. But until that day, we, we long to see that future reality break into the present. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we want to see God's kingdom come now. And the church is called to be agents of the kingdom. We are called to be a place of joy, of celebration. We are going to explore this next week in some depth. The kingdom of God is like a wedding banquet where we can celebrate, where we can feast, where we can laugh, where we can enjoy rich communion. This is the glory that God invites us into. And so I want to encourage us to choose joy, that this will be a place where we press into the kingdom of God as a place of joy. Uh, I, I come into land with this. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, In your presence is the fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The takeaway today, if you're like, I want more of this, is that we would just once more say, I'm going to pursue his presence. Because in his presence is the fullness of joy. I've had to wrestle with my image of God over the years. Sometimes we can think of God as an angry judgmental policeman just waiting for us to do something wrong so he can make us feel stink. That is not what he's like. The Bible reveals him as a loving father who's running to us to embrace us even in our shame. And what does he do? He then celebrates our return by throwing a mean as party. That's what he does. That's his nature. In his presence is fullness of joy. You don't have to be, even if you've done all sorts of naughty things, you don't have to be afraid of the presence of God. In his presence is the fullness of joy. The most joyful people I've met have been the people that have loved his presence the most and soaked and, and just and lingered in his presence and just chosen 
His presence. Is it easy to be a people of His presence? No, you've got to, again, choose it. You've got to press in. You know, uh, we, we uh, did a little bit of praying in tongues last week, and one or two people may have freaked out about that. Um, but praying in tongues is a great way of getting into the presence of God because it, it's the language of my soul that can speak to the Lord without me, all my mind getting in the way. So some of the ways that I choose to get into the presence of God is I choose, I choose to speak in tongues. I don't wait till I feel like, oh, you know, there's a little buzz and audio, audio, should have bought a Toyota, but I bought a Honda or whatever you'd say. Um, <laughs> but I choose to speak in tongues. And you know what? It, this is what it feels like. I'm praying in tongues, you know, and I don't feel anything, but I'm choosing it, I'm choosing it, and then boom, it's like you bang, you press into it, and it's like, it's like you go through that thin place. It's like you, you know, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven's near. It's like, ooh. And so you can do these things, reading the Bible, praying in tongues, using set prayers, going for a walk, having rhythms that, that your diary reflects that you love the presence of God, that you're in that place of his presence. And it, there's a little bit of resistance because the enemy's trying to stop you, but then he has to flee because as soon as his presence gets near, he has to flee. And you step into it. And then it's like, if you, so if you want to cultivate that place of joy. But the, the last thing I want to say is this. This is by, I want to pray for some of us this morning who just want this. Like as I'm speaking about joy, it's like you're seeing the dry land that you're in for what it is really clearly. And, and there's this like, oh, I want to be in that place of joy. I don't know how to get there. God by his spirit wants to lead you to that place. You don't have to just do it on your own. There's a few little things you can do that help. And one of them would be saying, yeah, I want some prayer because I want to be a person that, that knows that a bit more, knows the joy of the Lord as my strength. But uh, Psalm 40 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. This is for some of you. This is what the Lord wants to say over you. He just wants to, to encourage you. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He wants to lift you out of a slimy pit out of the mud and the mire, and he wants to set your feet on a rock and give you a firm place to stand. He wants to put a new song in your mouth, a hymn, a song of praise and celebration to our God that many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. The Lord wants to bring you to a place where you've laid in a slimy pits, you can't get out of them. And the Lord wants to come and lift you out and put your, your feet once more in a bit, on a firm place so that then you can sing the hymn of praise, the song of praise. Now, I know um, when we start talking about some of this stuff, it's, big, it's deep water, talking about depression, talking about feeling disconnected from the presence of God, all of that. It's deep, I know it's deep water, but this is, we're a place of depth. We're a place of depth. And God in his mercy just is this, there's a cloud of witnesses going, yes. Go, do it, choose life, put your hand up, receive prayer, go for a walk with Jesus, read your Bible, you can do it, yes, you can, you can do it. And not only that, but Jesus, is, he's, by, by his spirit, he's with us saying, yes, choose life. I haven't come that it would just be a cross, I've come that it would be resurrection life. That's why he died, so that we would know life in all of its fullness. It's not health, wealth, and prosperity stuff. It's an inner richness that no one can rob from you. Whether you're in prison or whether you're in a palace, that you would know the joy of God. No one can rob you of that because you are, your soul's in a good place in Him. So we let's stand together because I can see the Spirit of God already ministering to, 
a number of you. Let's just bless what God's doing this morning. Let's bless what God's doing because he wants to encourage you. Here's, guys, I feel this so strongly from the Lord. Some of you have, have even said over yourself and you've thought, this is my lot. I'm stuck here. It, will, it won't get any better than that. Like, I'm, how do I get out of this? Listen, God will lead you out. He will. As Rachel Hunter, the prophet, once said, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. It will happen. Let's put our faith in him again. Let's put our hope in him again. Let's trust in him. And so let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come and strengthen us to make the choices that would lead us to places of life and joy. Come, Holy Spirit.